It's the Lowdown. Sports 1440 for the next two hours. We're going to regale you with stories of camping, uh, CFL action where the Elks could pass the Stampeders. What the heck? Adam Ernie, no relation to Adam Burt. All on that on the way. Uh, Sports1440.ca. You can reach us there at iHeartRadio, Radio Player Canada. Text or call 1-833-401-1440. Twitter at Low Tide and at Declan Kruger. With that, I'm going to bring Declan Kruger in right now because I am still getting people, and I know we talk about it a lot. So somebody tooling around right now, and they've got us on in the radio in the car, but they're like, okay, I'm going to go inside right now. How do how do you get this live, and how do you get this podcasty? Take the floor, young Kruger. Yeah, so you can get this on the um, you can you can get this on the Radio Player Canada app, the iHeartRadio app, and the podcasts available wherever you get your podcasts. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the links get tweeted out. So if you're following at Sports fourteen forty on Twitter, they'll be there. They do come a little bit later than we maybe used to. We're working on that. Uh, but like I said, iHeartRadio app, Radio Player Canada, and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Right. And remember, it's swipe right. Is that correct? Swipe right. Yep. Okay. Want to make sure. That's a yes, I believe. The lowdown driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, but same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road, wolfgmc.com. Our guest today, Matthew Shinetti, will join us uh, from TSN. We'll talk about the CFL in general, but specifically Trey Ford and the Elks. What a terrible first half, and it's turned around a little bit. Well, a lot, actually, and pretty exciting for Elks fans who showed up in a big way. I said it. I said it win and you, people arrive because all of a sudden it's fun that and the dogs you got to bring back the dogs every week bruce mccurdy will join us from cult of hockey at the amazon journal we'll talk about waivers we'll talk about adam ernie and more uh and i also am going to talk to young declan about ufc wwe and the merger and what it means for vince mcmahon and his health and yada 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 blah 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 nhl rumors adam ernie uh some more ptos tough times in calgary we're going to really drill down on that specifically with noah hannafin and what it may mean that's all on the way. We'll begin everything with Shinetti uh, at twelve twenty, McCurdy at one o'clock, and at twelve forty today. I promised you this, and it's kind of a long story, so it's going to take most or all of a segment. But we're talking Penticton this week because the young stars are heading there for the Edmonton Oilers, and it's sort of the unofficial start of training camp. And I'm going to tell you what Penticton means to me because when I was a kid, we lived in the Lower Mainland, and we would drive up to Penticton every year. And one particular year, my mom and dad got into it over two things. I've always told the box story, but there's a kind of a preamble to the box story that I've never told before and I've never written about before. So the box story, the box looked like a coffin. That's your tease. And it's all happening at 1240. And it was probably the fight I remember my mom and dad having like the most from my entire childhood. It was funny, not funny, if you get my drift. That's coming up at 1240. Okay. Uh, NFL PA has called for grass in all stadiums. My first response is come to Canada. You can smoke grass in all stadiums here, but I don't think that's what they're talking about. This is the Aaron Rodgers deal. And we talked about this yesterday where, you know, you can blame the turf, but that's brand new turf. We're not talking about like Olympic stadium in Montreal when the Expos were playing and Andre Dawson was, you could see his knees sag as he played. Not like that. This is a different deal. And it's all about money, and it's all about owners making more money. So let's let's be realistic about it. But I I sense here that maybe in this one little area, if it was brand new turf, this is just going to happen. Now grass is grass. We all love grass. You love grass, right? You were just saying that the other day. 
No, 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 no. I am the wrong guy to talk to about that. I keep a, I keep a clean street over here. Do you really? I do. Not my thing. Not my thing. You know, that means that there's two people in this room who work in media who don't do that. Yeah, I'm, we must not be any fun or something. I don't I keep, know, but yeah. Yeah, people keep telling me that, that you know, because I, I, they say you're so paranoid, you must have. And I go, no. And then they tell me about the relaxing edibles, which I don't know a thing about. But. Well, the paranoia was the biggest one for me. That's why I stay away from that stuff, trying to keep it clean. It's just it's just not for me. What can yeah. I say? Well, I don't, you know, I, I found walking helps me with my... Uh, you know my my anxiety and 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 I think I'll just stay with that. I like a nice cup of tea, not to well, sound like I'm 75 years old. God, we I, are just the oldest, boringest people on the planet. Uh, the in front av- of microphones. The average age between the two people in the studio is 117. <laughs> but I, I'm telling you, like a nice cup of tea and some Netflix. That's like, not true. That what's not true? The, the average age between you and me is. 44. Well, it feels like it's 117 the way we're, the way we're going about this one, but I don't know. It's just, yeah, I, a lot better ways to relax in my experiences. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I see some, some, some unusual pupils, uh, in my life. So somebody's having fun, but, but it's not for me. Uh, Eagles Vikings Thursday night. Here's what I want to talk about with that. And we're, we're starting with the NFL today, but. Mostly it's going to be about hockey, but I don't, they play Sunday and I know Minnesota did too, but it's going to be a bad game. It just, and I like both teams. I'm a big Eagles fan and, and the Vikings were a cool team when I was young with Chuck Foreman and all those cats, Bud Grant. So I, I, I am against Thursday nights. I, I would prefer Friday nights and I know that's college, but. I need them to fix that because Thursday nights are craptastic football games. And as much as I like these two teams, it's going to be bad tomorrow night. I know it. I couldn't agree more. I mean, this is one thing that the uh, the Players Association really needs to get on. You talk about the turf fields. It's the Thursday night games that need to be eliminated. These guys cannot recover from being in a car crash, essentially every yep. play on Sunday, to going to play on Thursday. There's no time for a turnaround. You don't have any good practice that week. Bodies are still hurting. Injuries are lingering. It's terrible. It's And I, I'm a huge football fan as you know i love watching the games but as a as a purist of the sport it's one of the worst things that's happened in my lifetime these thursday night games yeah i i'm i'm with you on all of that for me it's just bad form and once again greed greed of owners greed of networks greed 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 and the problem is like you said if you wanted to add an extra game day i mean football is such an institution in america you have high school friday College Saturday, NFL Sunday. So if you're trying to add a game there, Thursday is kind of the only game left it's that true. makes sense. And it's it's yeah, it's just a terrible system for these players, and they're the ones that suffer. They do, and and the product is is you know badly badly hurt. Uh, yesterday after our show, you notice it happened before Bob's show though. Uh, Adam Ernie was signed to a PTO, and I, I've I've known this. I had him as a I always do a uh, a draft ranking. I call it. Uh, here comes the sun. And I had him at number 25 the year he was drafted. I think he went 33rd overall. He was a first-round caliber player. Has not turned out that way. Had 1.2 points per 60 at 5-on-5 five five a year ago. Got crushed in possession. Now, they were a bad team. But even his rel numbers weren't great. I think Ernie is a distant bell. I think Gagne has a much better chance. I think that uh, um, Sutter has a much better chance. But Ernie's an interesting ad. And... I know fans are mad. I wrote about Raphael Lavoie today, and I would just say this to you. If you go to The Athletic and read the article, it'll be that and many other pieces of information will be there. But based on talent alone, there's nobody in the system or coming to camp for the Oilers that should be in any way a major hurdle to success for Raphael Lavoie. 
you know, before this show, show started and I didn't know Declan, I thought he might be a major hurdle to this show's success. As it turns out, I may be the hurdle. Well, the jury's still out on me. I'm pretty fresh. Not a lot no, of game film out on me. So I, I still I, may be a hurdle before it's all said and done. I have to hang up on my friends because they keep rambling on about what a great guy you are. You know, that's honestly. What- that's only because they're not in here with me. I mean, you see every day the trials and tribulations I go through. They only hear the final product. So you see, you see the hurdles. They, they only see the final results. The only criticism I have is the backwards hat. Other than that, you're good to go. You know, you're a good young man. <laughs> if that's my biggest, if that's the biggest point of contention, I think no. I'm doing okay. You are. But I mean, listen, it's your show. Your name's on the marquee. I've said this before. I'll lose it if you want. You just got to say the word. Well, I'll just say this, that, that I think your parents should be very proud of you. Oh, thank you. That's yeah. very kind of you. Yeah. You're a good man. Thank you. All right. So, uh, I don't think Adam Ernie's going to make the team. The guy I thought might sign a PTO with the orders, and I wrote about it this summer. You might not have read it because you were busy, and I forgive you, but I did write about Nick Holden, uh, a pretty darn good defenseman who has retired now, and he's going into, I think it's player personnel with Vegas Golden Knights. He's a guy I thought they might want to bring in, so they didn't, and... That's too bad because NHL defensemen, they're a good qualified veteran NHL defenseman. Even if they play like 12 times a year, once the playoff begins or injuries occur, they're vital. You need them. Sometime this year, an NHL general manager will go, Nick Holden, man, we should have signed that guy. What were we thinking? Counting on this young guy, what was going on in our heads? But it is, on the other hand... On September 13th, 2023, year of our Lord, Sports 1440, low down with low tide. It is good news for Philip Roberg. It is good news for Marcus Niemelainen. It is good news for Vincent DeHarnay. Because they have a better chance of making the team. Jays lose again. I don't know what to say. You know, Texas overcame a wobbly Scherzer, and now they're ahead of the Jays. Marginally, the Jays will make the playoffs. But the... I've watched, I've watched the last two games for the Jays and they're, they're, I'm just going to say this now because I don't, I'm not a Jays fan. So I can say this and you can get mad at me all you want. They're a frustrating team to watch because they have oodles of talent. And I'm using the word oodle properly of talent. And they're, they just, they're pissing it away. Can I say that? Like they, you gotta, you, you, I don't care what it is, and I love Vladdy. Vladdy is my favorite player on that team. But he's lurching. He's not patient. Because he's not patient, the pitchers know they don't have to give him anything. And it just feels like they're in one of those dream states. Have you ever done that? Maybe you're arguing with your girlfriend or your mom and dad are coming down hard on you because your grades suck and you're going to end up in radio if you don't work it out. And you just, you're sort of on, you're sort of on cruise control you hear it you know it impacts your life you know you should dig in there or do something but you know you're not going to yeah kind of in one ear out the other type of yeah, thing yeah yeah i've definitely been there in a couple no. of said you were actually pretty on point with all of them whether it be a girlfriend whether whether it be a parent i mean no. there have been a few few sure. situations where it's been yeah. in one ear out the other and and teachers use phrases like apply himself i mm-hmm. got that all the time he's a really bright kid but he no. just doesn't apply himself yeah that was a staple at parent teacher interviews yeah, for, mine was for that me. and class clown if he spent less time trying to be the class clown, I hate clowns. 
the one thing the one thing about being the class clown is when you make the teacher laugh yeah. It's it's all worth it. Yeah, it it's is. like you just won the battle. Yeah. You actually you won the war. Yeah. Because if you made them laugh, it's like, okay, I'm doing something right. My favorite teacher growing up was a woman named Miss Stack. And if I could make her laugh, that was my day. My day. Probably my week. And I was I was pretty good at it, you know. Mild sense of humor. But that was good. I want you to talk now. So we're gonna ask about UFC WWE and Vince McMahon. What's going on? Yeah, so essentially, WWE and UFC merged um, to uh, to become a new company called TKO. Uh, the TKO holding group is going to be trading on the New York Stock Exchange, so I think that was a big part of it. Now they have these publicly publicly traded IPOs that's going to give a lot of very rich people a lot of chance to make a lot more money. As far as the actual products that we see, I don't know how much is going to change. I think we're definitely going to see more crossover between UFC fighters going into the WWE. You know, we, we, we had seen... Brock Lesnar is not a very good example because he he was more of a WWE superstar than he was a UFC champion. But we we've seen pop culture crossovers between marquee names, and I think that's just going to be easier for the UFC. Conor McGregor is a name that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but the biggest thing is now is is the publicly traded uh, publicly traded stock. It was valued at twenty one billion. I think was the the initial wow. offering that came out. Um, but an an interesting tidbit is that this is the first time in WWE's history that the McMahon family does not have complete control and Vince McMahon it's always been his show he's always yeah. been synonymous with the WWE and so now him taking a backseat I think his formal title is executive chair of the WWE while Dana White becomes the, the CEO of the UFC as opposed to the president which he used to be it's going to be interesting I, I I'm looking to see some crossovers I I think it's a money grab in terms of listen if we can come together keep putting on the products that we've been putting on not not reinvent the wheel not change what's not broken we're going to see an increase in the stock price and like i said there's some very rich people who are looking to get a little bit richer well and boy that doesn't happen anymore in this society <laughs> no there's everybody's yeah. looking out for everybody else right now let's help everybody no that's the mantra billionaires hate money as we know well they, they wish they could give more away so generous with it you know nobody's trying to get ahead anymore what in what happened to the capitalism we love? H-E double hockey sticks yep. is going on. But my, my biggest question is, I don't know. I mean, obviously, the hardcore fans are you know going to take note. And obviously, like I said, fi financially driven, I think, in a lot of ways. But I don't know. How much, how much crossover you're going to see? Like, I'm a, I'm a devout UFC fan, as you know. Devout? Nev That's almost religious. Maybe I'll just say big then. I don't want to put any connotation on it. Big UFC fan. Never been huge on the WWE. And this merger, it's not going to transition me too much to the WWE. So I wonder what casual fans, what they're going to think. If they're going to be more in tune to one than they had been previously. I don't know. I'm excited to see how it all plays out. And I'm definitely excited to see some crossovers. It sounds to me like this is the equivalent that people my age could understand, of the DH. It's something that's coming in. It's new. We don't like it. But five years from now, nobody will notice. That's the thing. Like, I don't, there's not going to be any change in the product from what well, there I can, is, though. And here's the one that I was, and I don't know anything about the sport. So I feel like I can speak about it as though I do. Well, I was going to say, okay. So how do, do the H just bring in new fighters every once in a while and they build up their own fan base? Yeah, essentially... So essentially how the UFC operates is there are, you know, numerous mixed martial arts regional promotions across the world. The UFC will have talent scouts that go out and get fighters from those regions, bring them in, depending how promotable they think they are, do their best to promote them, let them pave a path for themselves. Um, WWE, I have, I have to imagine, is similar with regional 
wrestling entertainment promotions. So they get brought in, they get built up, but I I, I don't know how much more of a push one is going to get from the other with this deal. That's my point, though. Soon, you won't know what the WWE is and what the other one is. It'll all be the same. So you'll choose your fighter, and then it won't matter. As time goes on, you know, I used to really know about the National League and American League, and then they played together, and it's sort of meh. There's potential for that, but I, I still think they'll say they'll stay separate ent- entities in their purities. Re- WWE is going to stay a wrestling entertainment organization. UFC is going to stay a mixed martial arts organization. Yeah, I see your point. I made you talk for two more minutes for nothing, really. Because the biggest, the Dana, and I'm sorry, I'll, I'll wrap this up quickly because we're running oh, sure. late. The biggest it's your thing, show. The biggest thing Vince McMahon has always said is he wants to be able to control the final product because you can't create a star if you can't control the product. Dana White's biggest thing has always been the authenticity of the sport. Complete opposite ends of the spectrum, which is why I don't think you'll see too much crossover. I'm sure there will be some, but I think at the base, they'll stay their own thing. I've never forgiven anybody since what they did to Andre the Giant. After that, step off, everybody. I'm sick of you all. Love that guy. Matthew Shinetti from TSN on the way to talk CFL Sports 1440. Lowdown with Low Tide. It's the Lowdown. Driven by Wolf GMC Buick. New name, but same great team. Find them on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. WolfGMCBuick.com. Joined now by Matthew Shinetti from uh, TSN. And uh, if I squint really hard, really hard, Elks can make the playoffs. Are you kidding me? Well, Low Tide, good to talk to you, my friend. I think... When you see the energy that Trey Ford has obviously injected into the Elks and you see an 18-point comeback in the fourth quarter against the St. Peters and you see that they're facing a Bombers team that's coming off of getting, I think the uh, the politically correct term would be um, smacked maybe. Mm. it uh, Sure, the hope can start to uh, start to spring a little bit here. Uh, we are in a, a an interesting stretch now with every team in the league, but certainly the way that the Elks came back to see big play after big play laid on when it counts from Trey Ford, it certainly changes the narrative 180 degrees from what we were talking about about three, four, five weeks ago. And it's funny because the, the Labor Day weekend and the, the game that follows it, uh, I think uh, in a couple of cases at least, this year really I, I i think may send some teams into different trajectories the elks being one of them but the the stampeders i, I whenever i watch them i, I feel like a, a victory is imminent and i'm so used to them playing well enough to win this year they're two and four at home two and five away four and nine and it's not like the rough riders are running away with the, the final spot or that they can't do the crossover but this is a decidedly different year for calgary yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Calgary was a team. I, I don't mean was in a definitive sense, like they will never be again. But Calgary was a team. You think back to winning the Great Cup in 2014, getting to the Great Cup in 16, 17, and winning it again in 18. That dealt with injuries very well, especially to the offensive line, and was one of the teams that, in terms of man game, lost. It didn't really affect them. This is a new reality now for the new GM, Dave Dickinson. And uh, so far, I mean, certainly Jake Mayer has had, had good games and not so great games. And Reggie Bagleton is Reggie Bagleton. And certainly have seen the, the uh, hustle from Micah Alway and Cameron Judge. 
But those little details, those moments when it matters, when the Stampeders could be either dominate or just find that little bit extra, um, I, it just isn't evident there. And, you know, I, I also imagine, too, when you look at the secondary and you watch the play that Geno Lewis is making late on and exposing the Calgary as he did, that will certainly stick in the craw of defensive coordinator Brent Munson, who is so detail-oriented. It's hard to put a finger on one thing, but in these losses, it is when the Stampeders are here in Toronto and they gave uh, the Argos as good a game as they were going to for, for much of you know three, three-and-a-half quarters. Then late on when the details started to, to matter, and you know I think about the great game that Reggie Bagleton had that game. He had over 200 yards, and late on he and Jake Mayer missed a, missed a connection. It's just those kind of things matter. And um, I don't know. It's it's not an indictment of anybody. It's just sometimes you have those seasons where you have injuries that accumulate as the Stampeders have had, you know, certainly on their offensive line in particular. Uh, and things just don't happen. And, you know, one week it it seems like Jake Mayer is about to lead them down for a, a go-ahead or a, a tying score, and it, they're not able to convert. And as it was against the uh, – as it was against the Elks uh, this past week, it just seemed that every time that they were going to make a big play, Calgary couldn't couldn't stop Edmonton. So, uh, I speaking to Dave Dickinson as I did a few weeks ago, I could see evident frustration, and that's from someone who, as we all do, always expects the Stampeders to be so dominant, and just hasn't been the case this year. TSN joins us from Math Shinetti joins us from TSN on Sports fourteen forty and the Lowdown with Low Tide. MVP of the league right now, MOP, would you, because I, like, I know who everybody says it's going to be, but I look at Chad Kelly uh, in Toronto and I wonder, uh, do you think it's a real race? Do you think we're, we're going to see, who do you think is in the, say, top three right now? You know, you know what, you, you, you kind of read my mind here because we were having an interesting discussion. Every week we usually do a, a big call. Of the CFL and TSN production crew, the analysts, our, our, our wonderful broadcast team, producers, directors, ISO directors, reporters, play-by-play, and, and everyone part of our broadcast family. And the topic came up today that perhaps it's time for the CFL to move away from East-West and to look at perhaps something that's much akin to the to the Heisman, where you have three finalists and uh, the ranked ballot for for them and. I certainly look at Chad Kelly and what he's done and earning that, that contract and leading the Argos to uh, being on pace for their best season since Doug Flutie was in Toronto in 1997. And then I look at Zach Claros, knowing his reputation and what he's done the last uh, couple of years with, with Winnipeg and his MOPs and leading the three straight Grey Cup appearances and winning twice. And I look at Brady Oliveira and what he's done this season and how he's established himself yeah. not only as one of the best Canadians in the league, but one of the best backs period in the league. And I say, you know what? It would be interesting, all three of those guys, uh, up for uh, a ranked vote for who is MOP. Because uh, as, much as, as much as what Chad Kelly is doing is awesome, you take nothing away from it, and I don't add a but uh, as any means of – um, you know, downgrading his worthiness as, as MOP. I just look at Zach Caleros and I look at Brady Oliveira and say, those two, you can make a real good argument for both of them. Um, and him certainly, just stepping outside the MOP conversation for a second, certainly makes that game on the 29th when yeah. the Argos will go to Winnipeg as really the must-see game of the regular season. 
because just the way you look at this past weekend, the way that the Bombers in that first half just ran over, just dominated. As I said before, you can use politically correct turns, but they they just beat up on the on the Rough Riders. And to see the Argos uh, after a short week uh, beat the Alouettes uh, by 29 points, it 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 shows you that the guys who are the best in the league, the leaders on the best teams, absolutely are there justifiably. And uh, ultimately, uh, Chad Kelly, I think, has the inside track because he came into a situation without the same kind of experience as Zach Caleros had had previously before he went to Winnipeg. Um, and he has become undoubtedly a face of the league, uh, the kind of guy that uh, for CFL fans and you know certainly you think sports fans in, in this country in general, when there's an opportunity to watch Chad Kelly, you're going to want to watch Chad Kelly. So uh, I, I don't say definitively that it's Chad Kelly's to lose, but he certainly, uh, if it were in, in you know in this alternate universe, those three guys, uh, if you know, and even if it is. In the East, Kelly, and in the West, Caleros. Uh, right now, I'm giving the edge to Jack Kelly. So I look. It was not that long ago that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders were really under pressure and losing games because of a lack of discipline. Uh, and it seems like that bug has moved over to Montreal and the Alouettes. Uh, and, and I like as a, as a fan of specific teams, you know, I've seen that happen, and it is very aggravating. But you you want aggression, but you want controlled aggression. And, and how does a how does a coach, especially you know, Moss, how, how do you how do you change that environment and that atmosphere aside from yelling and screaming, which is kind of you know probably where it, where it started. Well, certainly Jason Moss has been known to yell and scream on the sidelines um, and and share his energy with his players and everyone else. Uh, I'm a good coach. But to see Austin Mack be ejected is not um, in a game where you know that you're going to need big plays out of your big playmakers. It's not what you want. And Jason Moss, going back to preseason, has wanted to instill a new culture in Montreal that is really proud of the Alouette's history. As I I did a hit on this uh, early on in the season, they have – a, uh, a Canadian Air Force general on their sidelines. They did in Ottawa, basically going through and evaluating the leadership skills of the entire team. And that will be one thing that is going to have to be assessed in Montreal because this game is going to be very interesting this weekend between the Argos and the Owls. The Argos have the opportunity now to clinch the East. And essentially, apart from, yes, a if not contrived, then if nothing else, for the sake of reputations, a big game in Winnipeg, the Argos will essentially have nothing to play for until mid-November. And I'm not saying that they're going to be easy at all. No, if anything, I put it back on the owls and say, well, this is the opportunity. If you getting home field advantage is still a big deal, and here your window still presents itself, and I imagine that Jason Moss will use that as a motivating tool. Not that he should, you know, these guys are all professional athletes, but you need that discipline because ultimately it could, it could be Montreal and Toronto in the East final. And you want that kind of energy, especially against an Argos team that will likely rotate and rest over the next month, month and a half, two months. 
but you can't have your best players losing their cool in moments that matter, especially guys like Mac, who are so, so crucial, who've been so important to the success that Jason Moss has tried to build this season. Final one for you, and this is about the CFL in general. Every year, it seems there's a new league or there's a new problem or there's no money or, you know, this year, the Elks and last year really were were the, the sore spot. But the the product on the field, I, I watch every game. And, and by the way, TSN does a brilliant job of every game. I watch them all. And they're... The, the CFL is is so damned entertaining. The product itself, I, one of the reasons I think it survives is because it's so much fun to watch. You know, the the end of the game, you can you know see. We saw a nine point, basically a nine point play where the clock didn't tick a, a second off the clock, and nine points were added by the Rough Riders this year. The, the CFL is amazing as a product. Let me let me give you a uh, a little bit of an anecdote from Chad Kelly and how significant that move is actually not as a representative only of Chad Kelly and what he's done, but what it might mean for the league. We have seen ratings upticks, a uh, rating uptick in key demographics this year. The league was very public about bringing that out a few weeks ago. We have seen some incredible games, and notwithstanding the struggles of of the auto red blacks recently. Uh, I will not forget long, I will not forget for a long time being in Ottawa with Dustin Crum led the, uh, led the red blacks back against the Winnipeg blue bombers. in one of the craziest finishes I have ever seen the NFL has started. And we all, we often have in this country an existential crisis that happens when we see the NFL start and we see undeniably the big uh, commanding theater that is the national football league. But something is very true also about the CFL and what it speaks to the culture of our country. This is a traditional league. It has been around a long time, a long, long, long time. And yes, in a couple of iterations, but it has been around uh, for over a century. It is so important to aspects of this country, not, not of least of which is in Edmonton, of course, in Regina and Winnipeg and Hamilton, Montreal as well. Jason Moss has talked about the French-Canadian connection has but I've seen this year a growing number of people embracing it because of that cultural aspect, because it, it represents so much of who we are, and it is ours. It's a league that kind of sits on an island in, in sports that, yes, is increasingly feels more corporate, feels more distant just given the, the money and money and money. And that's also a debate that's, that's been around the league a long time, as you alluded to. But the power of this league in big moments, I still think, rivals any big sporting event anywhere and i point again to that game on the 29th between the argos and the bombers i can't wait for that game because you look for the tail of the tape between these two teams and they are undeniably great they are undeniably great within the cfl context and i say that not as some as often as it is people will compare and contrast and say well could a cfl team and how bad would they be beaten by an like that i that is the, the height of absurdity. For me, I appreciate the regional brilliance of, of this league and its fan bases, what it does, especially coming towards this time of the year when it gets cold and the games start to matter and, and you just feel an up- uptick of energy. And my goodness, did you see that in Winnipeg during the Banjo Bowl? And it was so good to see so many fans back in, in Commonwealth. And to point back to your earlier question, all it takes is for a little bit of magic and a little bit of brilliance and, and, and good football to remind the people of Edmonton how important their team is to them. That, those, are, those are the moments, and many times this season I have felt it, 
and I've been on the sidelines and I've told people or said quietly to myself what big plays have happened or there have been significant moments or you see just the personality of guys and, and just the culture of these teams, this league matters. And I'm really, really puts a smile on my face to see some of the big moments we've already seen. And I'm so excited down the stretch here. There's going to be a lot more heading into the playoffs. Thanks for this, Matthew Shinetti. Appreciate it. Take care, guys. All right. Matthew Shinetti, TSN Sports 1440, Lowdown with Low Tide. Really, what he just said at the end there is so true. I love the league. I, I love the CFL. I remember Peter Lisk. I remember Larry Robinson in 71. It was a thrill for me to meet and to know Herm Harrison and, and, you know, Tom Higgins and Ronnie Lancaster and, and Dave Jameson. And CFL just has so many great people in it. It's a great product and I hope it flourishes for decades to come. All right. We're going to go back decades. We're going to go to, say, 1965, Penticton. Oilers are heading there with their rookies for Friday game against Winnipeg and to spend the weekend there to kick off training camp. I will tell you what had happened to a little family in about 1965 in Penticton that didn't change everybody's lives, but maybe confirmed (laughs) what we were. It's all on the way. This is the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Sports 1440. Lowdown with Low Tide, hanging around until 2 o'clock today when Jason Greger hits the airwaves. And you're listening to the Lowdown, powered by Wolf GMC Buick. I promised this this morning because I was writing prep for the show. I do that. I prep. No, no, I really do. And I thought, man, I you know, I went to Penticton every year when I was a kid. We'd go for a couple of weeks. And I have so many memories of that particular area. Um, we'd drive up. Mom and Dad would say, don't eat too much fruit. We'd eat too much fruit. It was a tradition. It was an annual thing that we'd do. So this story is, I, I want to preface it by saying my dad was a really good guy. And my mom was a really good lady. And we were well looked after and loved. And this, I'm sure there are little things that happen in every family that are quirky and unusual. And here it is. It's, I'm going to say 1965. We live in Maple Ridge, B.C., in Wanak, up. You go to Thornhill School, turn left, then a right, and we're up there. Uh, electricity arrived in the late 50s. Everybody was building houses with large, large lots. That's the way the world was. Dad had a tent that he got in the war, which would be at least 20 years old, probably 30 years old. And it had leaks everywhere, patches everywhere, and it still leaked badly. Mom would no longer go to Penticton with it. The previous year was a disaster. I do not remember the previous year, but I remember her saying, Ira, we're not using the tent anymore. So my dad, instead of buying a new tent, he built a box. It was more like a coffin for four than a box, but he called it the box. And my dad was handy. He built the house I grew up in, but there were crooks in the house too. Uh, the kitchen cupboards in that house weren't even, so all the glasses and dishes gathered at the right-hand side. They'd sometimes fall and break. Danger lurked everywhere with Dad. He was the sweetest guy. He was also really sensitive about criticizing him, so he basically had it all. He was a <laughs> he was a home run guy. Now, Mom was the official safety inspector of our family. She was the one who would tell Dad no on things that could cause harm. I'm here today because of my mom. I have no doubt about that. How did Dad slide the box slash coffin through Mom's, you know, early distant warning sign? The answer is misdirection. 
I've never told this part of the story before because it's kind of unusual. Before our holiday, my mom bought dad new swimming trunks. Dad liked the old ones, but they had holes in them. And I'm not talking about holes where it doesn't matter. He had holes where it mattered. So dad was upset to start the trip because he didn't want, he wanted the, he wanted the old ones. The box was made out of plywood. It was sturdy construction, several hinges and holes for breathing. There was a lock on the inside, and that's important. You got to remember that lock on the inside. Uh, Dad loaded the box on top of the 56 flathead Ford car we had. It was an old-timey one with a hardtop roof, and it wasn't overly heavy, believe it or not, but he had to strap it down real good. And so we left the lower mainland with the same hopes and dreams as the Donner Party about 120 years before. We were headed for good times. There was new opportunity where we were going. And when we got there to Penticton, we had a great spot. We got a really good spot, really close to the, to the lake, right, right there. We didn't have a tent to change in though. Mama had already pre-planned and she had her bathing suit on underneath. So she just, you know, undressed to a certain point and then she was ready to go. Dad did not do that. So he went full Monty in broad daylight, took off his trousers and his Trunks put them on right in front of the car. Mom gasped. Other people gasped when he took them off. He, when he got out of the lake, he just took them off because <laughs> he didn't like them. They fit wrong. He would be arrested today, but that happened. And it, it, it sent them in a direction they would not ordinarily do. Mom barely, barely, barely stayed in that campground. She was furious. We almost changed campsites because of it. Now the box story. Early in the evening, things had calmed down. Things were a little better. The Coleman stove was going. Uh, they had a fire going. It was, it was nice. You know, it gets a little cool, but it was a very, still a very nice day. And my brother and I had been begging our parents to let us play in the box slash coffin. Dad had found a good spot for it. Mom had thrown in the bedding and dad made sure the lock was there just to make, to make sure. So they let us in and we had a great time playing. It was at least an hour after we got in the box that my brother, four years older than me, also important, climbed out. He closed the lid, and I was alone, but it didn't matter. I heard familiar voices. I had my Hot Wheels and air to breathe, and I wasn't locked in or anything. Then my brother said something along the lines of, you know, you're not smart enough to close that lock. And, of course, me, (laughs) being Mr. Brilliant and thinking ahead, I thought, I can do that. And I did. I closed it right away. Now, I wasn't worried at the beginning, but then my brother had this maniacal laugh that he probably still has. It gets me panicky. So I call out in, you know, the timid little four or five year old kid voice, mom. And mom immediately sized up the situation and went warp speed on outrage. And it was on baby. And my dad was playing defense big time. My mom blamed dad right away. Who else are you going to blame? Damn it, Ira. Why couldn't you buy a tent like normal people? We're the clampets out here. People are looking. Our son's in there. The damn thing is locked and you have the key. Ira. So dad took, he did what he, any normal human would be. He fixed the problem. He, he slid the key through one of the holes and he talked in a very calm voice. Dad was really good at this. And he said, you know, son, and he instructed me how to unlock the, the lock. It took no time at all. Very calm voice. And I was free. Now, my brother was in trouble because my dad had started to figure out what happened. And that was going to be bad news for him. Mom would not set foot in the box that night. She slept in the car. And that meant that my dad had a chance to tear a strip off my brother with nobody else playing, nobody officiating. 
And, you know, he yelled at him a long time. He took time out to call me stupid and the usual stuff. This is the 60s, by the way. You can say, you can say anything to your kids. At the absolute earliest of daylight, just, I mean, there was a sliver of sunshine. Mom got up and she knocked on the box and she said, Ira, we're going home. Dad packed up the box in record time. We all got in the car. About six minutes after we got home, my dad took a crowbar to that box in a display of rage I had never seen before. It was it was impressive, scary, but impressive. We never spoke about it again as a family. Not even decades later. I never saw the swimming trunks either. And that is the box story. I mean, it's condensed, but that's the box story. And I still to this day do not know why my dad didn't just go buy a tent. It must have been too expensive. That's the only thing I can say. Do you have any questions? No, I. My biggest one was what happened to the swimming trunks, and you mentioned never no, saw them know. again. It was just it was all part of a bad memory, and it, it went in the incinerator, well, gone forever. Well, you know, and I have never publicly expressed the, the the swimming trunk story, but I do remember how bad and threadbare the right like the the man needed. But he was the kind of guy who didn't think you know. I mean, he just really thought that he could save everything. And there was never any attempt on his part to right his wrongs. It was just once and it was a failure, destroy the box and we're done forever. No, he was, we begged him Mm -hmm. in the 45 seconds we had before he just smashed it all to hell. Dad, don't do it. Well, we loved it, you know, but it was, you know, in a marriage, and I found out this later, there are just, there are times when you lose your mind and you do, and then you go, I want to cut down a tree. Um, and I'm not proud of that because it was a beautiful tree and I love trees, but I was so mad that you, 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 and I, I, it's hard to describe what you're feeling like in the moment. And it wasn't even about my wife in the case of the tree, but you know, you do things in life and you look back and you go, well, that was a mistake. And I'm sure my dad, after a time, I, the next year we did have a tent. I want you to know that was very nice. It was brand new. It was a learned mistake. Yeah. And this never came up again ever. No, we didn't talk about it. This stayed buried. No, a it, deep, it, dark it, family we didn't even like when we would be over there. When I told my wife the box story, I think she asked my mom about it, and my mom said very little about it. It was just a, it was just, and you know, we had two weeks. We were back on the coast, and we had two weeks. We had to go to Crystal Pool and some other places because we had two weeks off, and and we were planning on being up there the whole time. It was great to be up there because. You know, you could fish, you could, there was fresh fruit for basically nothing on the side of the road. There was a lot of good stuff that you could get involved in. And as a kid or as an adult. So there you go. I'm just saying. I guess I do have one more lingering question. Was there kind of an underlying implication that this would be taken to the grave on all accounts? I don't think so. Nobody said it like that. No. Uh, You know, the one thing that I had not included before today was the idea of, or at least the, the fact of, dad was, I think it all happened because of the swim trunks. I'm, I, I, you know, he was not the kind of guy who liked change and, but the box, I just, I, to this day, I don't know what anybody in the, any adult in the house was thinking. Oh, well, we survived. That's the important thing. Yeah, and you told a story about it 48 years later. Yeah, so. I have so many stories. Mm-hmm. I could tell you what happened to the, all the glasses in the cupboard I guess, one day. Actually. Yeah, I could. I, I had. Uh, I won't tell you today, but maybe one day I'll tell you what happened to all the glasses in the cupboard that was uneven. I would love to hear it. We can book it. We can book it in the schedule well, for tomorrow if you're willing. The, the both parents are gone. 
so I can tell anything I want. Right. That's the thing. You have a little bit more, yeah. a little bit more free will in now. <laughs> All right. It's uh, 1253. I knew that was going to take most of a segment and we haven't really gotten to any uh, texts yet, but in our number two, we'll have Bruce McCurdy from the Cult of Hockey at the Edmonton Journal. And then we're going to have a lot of texts and we're going to have NHL trade rumors. What I did today, uh, I wrote about Xavier Borgo over at the Athletic, but I did a, a really brief profile on every player who's going to Penticton, uh, who represents the Edmonton Oilers. I think Xavier Borgo and Matvi Petrov are the two forwards that you want to pay attention to, although I really like Tyler Tulio. And there's two defensemen that you might want to follow along with. Bo Akey, he was the second-round pick and the number one pick for the Oilers this summer. He's going to be a really good player. He's a very good skater. And Max Warner, who turns pro this fall, and he will do good things. Uh, he has really developed. They got a steal there. They absolutely did. Part of what we're going to mention in the NHL trade rumors is what's happening in Calgary. They, folks, they got trouble. The, they right here in River City. They have too many guys who are free agents and too many of those free agents who've said, yeah, we'll see how this plays out. What, what they mean is we're not coming back. When, when you have Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanev, Nikita Zadorov, Jordan Osterley, Dennis Gilbert, you've got five guys. And the only guys signed long-term are Uyghur and Rasmus Anderson, two really good defensemen. You want to sign Hannafin. You want to sign Tanev. And nothing's getting done. And Backlund and Lindholm are unsigned up front. This is not good for the Calgary Flames. And in, in, because of that, it's not good for the Edmonton Oilers. The Oilers need a competitive Flames team. That's how it works. Okay. I enjoyed this hour. It was a lot of fun. Shinetti was brilliant. And so were you. I did my part. I did the bare minimum of what was expected of me, <laughs> and I did it perfectly. Look, I've lived by the code mm-hmm. under promise and under deliver. <laughs> <laughs> That's a moniker I gotta get tattooed on me. You're listening to the Lowdown powered by Wolf GMC Buick on Sports 1440, and it's time for an update.